Good morning, would you stand and worship with us? If you're out on the patio, would you stand there as well? And if you're at home, would you stand and would you lift your hands as we worship you this morning, God? We thank you, Father. We praise you and we lift your name high in this place.
you today. Thank you for the opportunity to gather with friends and family, Lord. We are so, so thankful for church and so thankful for where we live and for what you're doing in our midst, Lord God. It's a new, a new year and with new year comes new opportunity and uh, hopefully a refreshing of our hearts and minds, Lord. And we just pray, God, that 2022 would be amazing and, God, that we would uh, just continue to be grateful for all that you're doing in our lives, Lord. God, as we open up to Hebrews chapter 6 today and study your word, we just pray, God, that uh, your, your word would penetrate our hearts and minds, Lord, that you would give me the grace to communicate truth with your heart and with your mind, Lord. And at the end of the day, Lord God, that we would have heard something from you, received something from you, and that we'd be encouraged by you, Lord God, because you're good. And uh, so thank you for this time. Thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, turn and gre greet somebody next to you before you sit down. Hi. Good job.
Alrighty, come on in. We will be wrapping up Hebrews chapter 6. I was told that um, before we get into the message, I was told that I should reintroduce myself because I've been gone for a couple weeks. So my name is Pastor Steve. I was told that some new people have joined the church in the last couple weeks and they don't know who you are. So I am Pastor Steve, uh, one of the pastors here at the church. And um, so it's a pleasure to be back. I, um, so three weeks ago I preached. I wasn't feeling good, but I took a COVID test and it came back negative. And um, so I preached. And then a couple days before our Christmas Eve service, I was feeling pretty lousy again, pretty gnarly. And so I took another COVID test and it came back positive. So um, I decided that I would um, stay home and get better. And uh, so I called Ron, Pastor Ron D and said, hey, you're on for Christmas Eve. And so he preached on Christmas Eve. And then I think Jeremy preached the next day, on, or the, on the 26th, and then last week Ron was scheduled to preach, so he preached, and anyway, so I'm, I'm happy to be, so happy to be back. <laughs> it, feel, it feels like a long time, right, to miss church and family and friends for two weeks, and uh, just really, really good to be back, and I'm feeling so, so, so much better. Um, just real quick, uh, what a year, 20, well, 2020 and 2021, just crazy last couple of years, and now we're already in 2022, and um, we posted something on social media just about all of the things that God did in 2021, and so I just want to recap that, and uh, just as a way to be reminded um, all that God had done, and, and to appreciate our, our, our church, our staff, our elders, parishioners. It just takes a, an army to do all of the stuff that God has called us to do, and uh, we're so excited. And so uh, just kind of going through my, we, we baptized 36 people last year. I don't think we've ever baptized 36 people in the same year, so that was incredible. Um, we tried something new, and because of COVID, we decided just to have our Easter service. We always do an outdoor Easter service, and so typically it's out in the park. And we're going to be back out in the park, by the way, this year, 2022. So we'll be back at the Heritage Square Park there. And uh, But we did our Easter service on the back lot, and it doesn't seem very big, but we set it up with tons of chairs, and lots of people showed up. And it was just an incredible Easter celebration, so that was fun, good stuff going on there. We had... Something, we did something that we'd wanted to do for a long time, but just haven't been able to pull it off. We had youth-led services, so we did two of those where the youth did announcements, helped with preaching, did music, worship, and all that sort of thing, ushers and greeting and that sort of thing. So that was incredible. We began the journey over at 102 um, in May. <laughs> so we thought we would, done, we would be done already, but um, yeah, that was just my inexperience and Optimism. Thank you very much. Free optimism. There we go. <laughs> I was trying to think of a more negative word, but that's optimism. Thank you. So, um, but we have made great progress at 102. In fact, I took a little phone video and uh, we've, can we show that video really quick just to kind of, we can show you, maybe you've never been in there, but this is kind of where it's at right now as a Friday. <laughs> it's really coming together. So, um, yeah, that's the video. So, um, you know, we spent months and months waiting on a permit and months and months doing work. And then finally we were able to call the drywallers in. And, and um, now they're, they've got it all hung and now they're taping and texturing. And so but hopefully by the end of the month we'll be done with, you know, all the drywall work. And then there's a little bit of finish work. 
that needs to be done, and then painting, and then floors, and, and then we're pretty much, you know, ready to go. So hopefully, I'll put this kind of out loosely, because <laughs> I've, you know, <laughs> I've mistakenly said, you know, we're going to be in, anyway, sometime, maybe, sometime, maybe, let's all hold this loosely, maybe March, so that's the hope. But March is going to be here before we know it, it's our January, so anyway, that's going to be good. Um, so a lot of good stuff, including 102. We hosted our very first Harvest Fall Festival on October 31st, and just tons of people came out and just had a wonderful time. And it was the first time doing it, and man, so many people made that possible. It was wonderful. We saw growth in attendance within the church as a whole, but mainly with our kids, with um, our Sunday school department, but fifth and sixth grade, that ministry has exploded, as well as the junior high and high school. Tons and tons of kids show up here every week. Um, just to be part of the Bible studies and groups that we have going on. So we're super excited about that. They show up and pull out the basketball hoop every week. We just know <laughs> they, show, they just show up and they own the place, and we just we think it's great. And um, so we've, a lot of really good stuff there. We had multi, uh, multiple Bible studies going throughout the year, 20 home groups happening last year, a new young professionals group. Multiple, as I said, multiple teen Bible studies and several other uh, groups meeting on our campus throughout the weeks. I couldn't have done any of this without your help. It takes, like I said, it takes an army of people just to pull it all off and to keep the place, you know, presentable and, you know, people teaching and leading and all that sort of stuff. So thank you, thank you, thank you. So we so appreciate it. Um, thank you to you, the staff, the elders. Mostly just thank God he's been so faithful. It's been incredible to see what God did in the midst of, you know, pandemic and all the stuff that's been happening in our cult, in our community, in our world. We've just watched God just be faithful. We took on this project, um, had our biggest giving year ever, a million four hundred thousand came in to cover cover expenses at 102 as well as just regular operating expenses. And I think the first year, so we're, this year we're going to celebrating our 19 year anniversary. And uh, we had our first service in March of 2003, and so March will be uh, 19 years, and uh, is that right? Is that the right math? I think it's the right math. And um, so our first year, I think we brought in, like, totally for the year, like, less than $100,000, and we didn't need a lot. We had 12 people in the church back in the day, so we didn't need, <laughs> we rented a school, and, you know, we didn't need a lot. I was working full-time, and... But uh, we've just watched God grow our budget, grow the ministry. And the budget just means it's just an indication of that the ministry's you know, expanding and that sort of thing. So we're just, we're grateful for what God is doing. So I'm excited about 2022. How many is excited about 2022? Like ready to have 2021, 2020 in the, in the rearview mirror and just ready to move forward. I'm super excited. I think God's going to do great stuff, 102, and with continually with the outreach and mission stuff that we do and so I'm super excited about that, and um, so I just wanted to give you a brief update on kind of what happened in 20, and I probably missed a ton of stuff, but um, but that's that's the deal. So we're, we're uh, back to Hebrews chapter 6, and uh, so if you want to turn there, we're going to get through the rest of Hebrews chapter 6 today, um, and we're, we're seeing that, you know, much like maybe in the current culture, there was just difficulty in their life, and it was causing them to, the Hebrew people back in the first century, there was difficulty, and they were having a hard time continuing to trust that Jesus is the Messiah, embracing their decision to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and so there's this encouragement from the writer of Hebrews to not give up, like never give up. They were waffling, and, and as often we do as believers, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, circumstances hit us, 
we begin to get a little unstable, a little waffling in our commitment and our faith. And, and God reminds us that we, we can trust him, that we don't have to give up. We can move forward by his grace and in his strength. And so we've titled the message today, Never Give Up. It's just kind of the theme as in the beginning, I think it was uh, October, November, I started preaching and it was a similar title of messages for the first couple of weeks, you know, don't give up, Jesus can be trusted. And so we see the theme, it, you know, it's a theme, but it, it may be the theme, like the biggest theme in all of Hebrews, for all of Hebrews is never give up. And so we see the author continually encouraging the people, continually challenging the people. And so uh, it's part of my job in the pulpit is just to continue to encourage and challenge and build us up, build people up in their most holy faith so we can continue to march forward, being the people that God has called us to be, making the right decisions that God has called us to make. And, and so the challenge today, never, never, never Ever give up. It's just one never in the title, but, you know, <laughs> never give up, never give up. So revisiting Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, we covered this a few weeks ago, last time I spoke. Um, believers are encouraged to never give up. And so we, he, we read Hebrews 6, 11 and 12, and this is what it says. Our great desire is that you will keep on. <laughs> there it is. Keep on. Loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. So in, in Christianity, our, our hope is Jesus, and then God has given us a hope in this life and for eternity. So we put our faith and hope in Jesus. We hold on to this person who is Jesus, who is our, the, 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 the source of our hope and who is our hope, and we hold on to him. Um, as we journey through the seasons of life, hoping that we will, by God's grace, never give up. And so it's interesting that the writer of Hebrews challenges the people to love others as long as life lasts. Keep on loving others as long as life lasts. I wonder why he focused um, his writing on challenging the people in the midst of their kind of waffling. Why did he challenge them to continue to love others? Well, the the Bible, the New Testament, the message there is that we're to love God and love others. And so um, when we are loving others, we're not so self-absorbed, I've noticed. Um, when we, we're self-absorbed, we, we think the world kind of revolves around us and we get easily frustrated because people aren't living up to our standards or whatever it may be. So the, the, the writer is encouraging the reader in the first century and all the way through the 21st century to love others. Again, loving others keeps us from getting self-absorbed, reminds us the world doesn't revolve around us, it reminds us of the plights of others. When we stop and just think about the plights of others, the things that people are going through, and uh, really begin to pray for people, loving them by praying for them, boy, I don't know about you, but it changes my whole perspective. I'm like, my my problems, though they may be big at times, they begin to come into perspective and I'm able to think about others' problems instead of my own problems and, and I'm able to do what God has asked me to do as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, not just as a pastor, but just as a, one of his kids, you know. Just like if you're a believer in Christ, you're one of his kids and he's called you to love him and love others and in doing so, you keep your perspective fresh, you're able to have a tender heart before the Lord. So we're to keep loving others. Otherwise, we become self-absorbed. 
maybe cynical, angry, maybe a little bit selfish, and also spiritually dull and indifferent. We see that in verse 12. It says, then, if you're loving others, you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Isn't that just a subtle trap where you become spiritually dull? During this um, COVID couple weeks off that I had, um, and my mind was just not where it uh, could, should be in order to really read and enjoy the scripture. So I try to read, I get through a, maybe a, you know, a few verses and I'd be like, forget about it. I can't absorb any of this stuff, you know. And I was just so tired. I just didn't. So for like, I don't know, like 10 days, I didn't read the scripture much, you know, maybe tried a couple times, but uh, I was so ready <laughs> when my mind was refreshed, you know, to open up the scripture. I just started reading the scripture. I'm like, oh my goodness, I've so needed this. I've needed to be refreshed by the word of God. I had become probably spiritually dull because I've not been in church. I had not been reading the word. And um, I don't think I was indifferent. I wasn't indifferent, but that's the slippery slope, right? You become spiritually dull and then you become indifferent. You're like, I don't care about what God wants to do. I don't care what God's calling me to do. I, I, it, whatever, you know, take it or leave it, Lord. I don't really care. So the goal is that we would love others, love God, and not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Verse 12, then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, instead, and this is important, instead you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. So how do we hang in there? How do we never give up? What do we, how do we resist the urge to give up? We've all experienced it and felt it. Number one, we must exercise faith and endurance. If you're just coasting in your walk with the Lord and not really exercising faith and endurance, you're going to, you're going to begin to get spiritually dull and indifferent. It's just the way it works. God's called us into this active relationship whereby we're active participants in this relationship with God. We're talking to him, praying, reading the word, actively involved doing the stuff that he's doing in the earth, involved in the kingdom work in the earth. And so we must exercise faith and endurance. We've got to have a growing faith. And if, if you're walking with God at all, and if you're reading the scripture at all, you see that God's always calling his people to, into an active faith. Like, like he's not, he doesn't want us to just rest on what we've done in the past. In fact, he won't allow us to do that if we're really paying attention, but he wants us to have an active faith. Like, what does God want to do in my life today? It's a new year. What does God want to do in my life this year? I don't want to just rest on my past accomplishments or experiences. I want to figure out what God wants me to do this year. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so he gives us opportunity to step into areas in our lives that require a great deal of faith. And we must learn to endure temptation, testing, and hardship. That's part of everybody's experience, right? Testing, temptation, hardship. So we have to figure out how to endure so that we don't give up when we're being tested because we will be tested. When we're being tempted because we will get tempted. Whenever there's hardship, we've got to figure out how to navigate those things so that we don't give up. The Apostle Paul is a great example and he writes to us from a Romans prison cell in Philippians chapter 3 and he writes these things. He said, Philippians 3.14, I press on. <laughs> like, I'm never giving up. It doesn't matter that my circumstances are dire. I press on. What to, what's he doing? To reach the end of the race 
and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So this is faith and endurance and action. He's like in a prison, right? Like unjustly so, he's there. He's like, okay, God, I'm here. What, <laughs> what's next, right? What do you want me to do while I'm here? And because of his faith and his endurance, he's like, I'll write some prison epistles. <laughs> I'm going to encourage people who are outside, uh, outside of these walls and encourage them in their faith with the Lord Jesus Christ. God promises that if we remain faithful and persevere, we will receive the heavenly prize of salvation. But beyond that, a life here in the earth that is so wonderful and fulfilling, it's rich and good, not without temptation, trials, and difficulty, but a life that is worth living, a satisfying, rich and satisfying life. We're going to read about Abraham in here in just a moment in his, how he died having lived a rich and satisfying life. So Paul had this heavenly vision. Uh, part of that heavenly vision impacted the way that he lived his life day to day. And part of that meant that, hey, I'm going to do, <clears throat> I'm going to be about my father's business. I'm going to write these letters, these epistles, and I'm going to get them out to the churches so that they might be encouraged. Paul chose to have faith. And he chose to endure. And the result, he had a faith and he endured victoriously to the end. So we have to make some choices in our life about what we're going to do with this faith in Jesus Christ. Are we going to have faith all the way to the end? Or are we going to endure all the way to the end? We have to make some choices. It says, okay, in the face of hardship, I am not quitting. <clears throat> I'm not giving up. I'm moving forward. Maybe things aren't unfolding the way that I think they should unfold. Paul probably didn't expect to be spending some time in jail. But he did. And so, hey, it doesn't matter. God knows. He just decided to move forward. And he had great joy. And he had a host of other things that went along with his faithful endurance. He just had this incredible joy. In fact, we read about it in Philippians 4.4. 4, he says, always be full of joy. Always. He said, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. And so there was something brewing in him, something of revelation about this life and the eternal life that he was heading toward and moving, uh, moving forward in. He just, he trusted Jesus. And, and that trust in Jesus meant that he had joy. It didn't matter what was happening externally around him, even internally with his body. He had joy, and he challenged the church. Listen, everything that God asks us to do or requires of us requires that we're filled with his Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural work of God. Maybe you don't feel like having joy. <laughs> Say, Lord, the word says here, always be full of joy. Well, how do I have joy in this circumstance and situation? Would you do a work in me? Maybe just make this your prayer. Lord, would you do a work in me that my joy might be restored, that I might rejoice in all things? Not that we can't grieve loss, be disappointed about some things in life and, and walk through some hardship that way. But at, at the end of the day, we need to say, Lord, I, I need you to restore the joy of my salvation. The joy, I want the joy of the Lord to be my strength. I want to have just an incredible joy as I go through this season of life. He had joy. And he wasn't worried. <laughs> Worry will kill faith and endurance. Right? Uh, we, we don't have to be fearful. We don't have to be worried. We can be filled with joy and trust the Lord. Philippians 4, 6 says this. Don't 
worry about, what, say it with me, anything. That's, that seems very hard to me, right? I can find a thousand things to worry about. But in the Lord, if I'm trusting him, if I'm having, exercising faith and endurance, then I, I really don't have anything to worry about. I can trust that his plans and purposes are unfolding in my life and my kids' lives and my marriage and the ministry that God has called us to. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray. What do you do with your worry? You, you pray about it. You just turn it over to the Lord. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. So we're worried about something. We say, Lord, I don't want to be worried about this. I can't carry this. All the worry in the world is not going to change anything anyway. So, Lord, what do you want me to do about it? I, I don't want to be worried. Um, worry is going to kill my joy. <laughs> I just want to trust you, have joy, and not be worried about anything. And then Paul was grateful. He was grateful. Gratitude will stoke the fires of faith and will give you endurance. So we have to choose to be filled with gratitude even in a life that's not perfect. It's filled with imperfections, in fact. And so we need to choose to be grateful. Listen to Paul, his writing to the church there in Philippians 4. He says, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. He could have been cynical, frustrated, upset, angry because he's sitting in a jail cell and everybody else is out, you know, lollygagging around. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I, I know you've always been concerned. See the optimism? He's like optimistic, believing that the people of God love him, that he's not in this alone, believing that God hasn't forgotten about him, that God's with him in the midst of his difficulty. I know you've always been concerned about me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. So Paul chose gratitude over grumbling, faith and endurance. All of these things play right into our ability to exercise faith and have endurance. He was content. <laughs> this is something that we all need to grow in, right? But he chose contentment, even though he didn't have anything, really, in the way of worldly goods, uh, family, as far as we know. Might have been married at one point, but wasn't married while he was following Jesus. So he didn't have a lot, but he just chose to be content. And we know that he learned contentment, and that's really probably the path for most of us. We, most of us, we have to learn, <laughs> learn some things. He learned contentment. Um, I think part of the deal is he wasn't living for this life only, but he was living for eternity. So he's like, Lord, it doesn't really matter what I have here. I got rewards and riches in the kingdom. So you know what I need, Lord, so I'm going to just be content with what you do give me and then move forward in my calling in my life as a follower of Jesus Christ. Philippians 4, 11 and 12. Not that I've ever, was ever in need, he, he tells him. For I have, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. How many, he had needs, but he decided to look at it through a, a different lens and said, I, I might be hungry, but I'm not going to worry about it. God knows, and we'll see that here. I know how to live on almost nothing. Or with everything, I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. He just decided, hey, I'm going to be content. I'm not going to be anxious. I'm not going to be worried. I'm not going to let it kill my joy. I'm going to just be content. The Lord is my provider, Jehovah Jireh. He knows what we need. He knows what I need. All of this was possible because we know from Philippians 4.13 that he was, Paul was strengthened by Christ. And this is how all things are made possible, through our strengthened uh, life as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're filled with his presence. The Holy Spirit takes up residency in our lives, and we're walking with God. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all 
things. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So again, everything that we're reading about in the scripture and everything that I'll ever teach about or challenge you to, it requires that we rest in the Lord, that we're filled with the Holy Spirit, that we walk in an intimate, close relationship with Jesus so that he can give us what we need. So Paul had an eternal prize, the promise of the promise of, you know, eternity in mind, but he experienced a, a supernatural ability in the meantime to just rest. And if anybody should have given up, I mean, it should have been him. You know, he's stoned and shipwrecked and beaten and all kinds of stuff, you know, all kinds of hardship. He, he, if anybody had, you know, the ability, to, you should, you can throw, Paul, yeah, you can throw in the towel, but he didn't, he didn't. And, and the early church didn't. And, and, for 21 centuries now, people have not given up on Jesus. The church is expanding all over the globe, and, and even in persecution around the world, the church is expanding, people just refusing to give up. All of God's people have a price to look forward to. So if you're in Christ, if you've accepted the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've, if you've accepted his message, his truth, and have welcomed him into your life, you've got, you've got a prize waiting for you, something to look forward to. Equally true, all of God's people have a life of testing and trial. <laughs> just, just the reality. Nobody's surprised by that, right? Anybody surprised by that? Testing and trial. Any, anybody gone like a day without testing and trial? Maybe a day, right? <laughs> but if you've gone a little bit without testing and trial, it's coming. Just expect it. You know, don't be derailed by it. Just know that it's coming. And um, God will give you the grace for it, and he'll help you through it. So because that's true, all of God's people have the capacity in Christ to live above the fray and to never give up in this life. We have the power to press on and never give up as we grow in faith and as we learn to endure hardship. So how do we never give up? We must exercise faith and, in, and, and endure hardship and exercise faith and endurance. For number two, as we continue on in our text, let's look at God's promise to Abraham. As we look at God's promise to Abraham, um, there's plenty of transferable principles to our life during the 21st century, uh, things that we can learn from Abraham's experience. And so let's take a look at Abraham. Why? Because the writer of Hebrews points to Abraham as a great example of never giving up. So we already looked at Paul. Now we're going to look at Abraham. Hebrews 6, 13 through 20 says, For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you, and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham <laughs> waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. So how do we never give up? Number one, we must exercise faith and endurance. And number two, we must wait on God patiently. <laughs> That's never fun. I got called into the ministry at 18 years old, and I thought, oh, I'm going to go right in. I'm going, <laughs> I'm going. Uh, 12 years later, I finally entered into full-time vocational ministry. God, God had some work to do in my soul and my spirit and my mind, everything. So it took, you know, 12 years. We, when we moved to this facility, uh, we rented it and renovated it and poured all kinds of money into it for 12 years. People would say, why are we pouring money into a building that we don't own? I said, we will own it. Just relax. And 12 years later, we bought it and own it. And then um, 
now releasing 102 and uh, pouring tons of money into that. And yeah, maybe we'll own that. I, I'm hoping we will. I think the owner wants to sell it to us, and someday maybe we'll get it. And we've been praying for years for this um, camp back here that God would give us that as well. So, yeah, we just have to wait patiently for God to unfold his plan and purpose in our life. So Abraham, or Abram, as it was before he got his name changed, was 75 years old when God first promised to bless him, Genesis 12. So 75 years old, but, you know, Abraham lived to be 175 years old, so he's kind of middle-aged, right? <laughs> so maybe how many consider themselves middle-aged here? I don't answer that, but if you're middle-aged, um, God's got some stuff he wants to do with you. If you're on the older end of things or on the younger end of things, God's got some stuff he wants to do with you. We're going to see that throughout the course of Abraham's life. God was working in him, giving him promise, providing for that promise, preparing him for that promise. So Genesis 25, 7 and 8 tells us Abraham lived for 175 years, and he died at a ripe old age. And I love this part. Having lived a long and satisfying life. But I want that on my epitaph. He lived a long and satisfying life. I, I, I want to know that my life was purpose-filled, that I honored my wife and my kids and my Lord and the ministry that God has called me to, long and satisfying life. That's a, a great goal for all of us, no matter how young or old we are. We want to know that at the end of it all, whether we live to be 175 or 75 or somewhere in between, that we've lived a long and satisfying life. He breathed his last and joined his ancestors in death, the verse says. So Abraham, middle-aged at 75 years old, is given a promise. At 75, the Lord promises to bless him. At this point, he and his wife are childless. They don't have any kids. And then the angel of the Lord comes along and says, hey, I'm going to bless you and give you descendants. So he's like, all right. So, you know, and they, uh, the Lord told him, hey, leave your, everything is familiar and move to the land that I call you to. And he, so he moves to Canaan. So he's there with his wife for 10 years. And 10 years in, Abraham, Abram and Sarai are both kind of like over it. <laughs> 10 years in, like, Lord, where's the promise? So they kind of take things into their own hands. And Sarai gives Abram her servant. And they have a baby together, Ishmael. But, but Ishmael, he was not the son of promise, Right. They thought he was the son of promise. They kind of took things into their own hands, but he was not the son of promise. And so 24 years after Abraham received the promise from the Lord, God shows up again. So now he's 99 years old. So now he's getting a little up there, right? He's still, not, he's still 80 years away from his, or 76 years away from his end of his life, but he's getting up there. Genesis 17, when Abram was 99 years old, God changed Abraham's name, Abram's name to Abraham, and he told him again of the promise to bless him. So he's 24 years in the waiting for this fulfillment. That's, that's in everybody's calendar, that's, that's a long time. I, mean, <laughs> I was talking with a guy after first service. He said, I've been waiting for this promise from the Lord for eight years. I said, well, that's not uncommon. <laughs> not to discourage you, but eight years, you know. Uh, just keep trusting the Lord and believing that God's going to do something. And, uh, you know, it's just God's up to something. In us, in our circumstances, he's growing us up, teaching us things, preparing us for whatever it is that he has for us. And so for Abram, he had to wait 25 years. 
Genesis 17, 1 through 6, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. So this guy's 99 years old now, and he's hearing this again. Like, God, the clock is ticking away. <laughs> what am I going to do here? At this, Abraham, or Abram fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you a father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abram, which means exalted father. Instead, you will be called Abraham, which means father of many. For you will be the father of many nations. Verse 6, I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. So 24 years after the promise, God is back re-communicating that promise. God has, God has spoken something to him, and he's waited 24 years. But know this, in the waiting, God has not been silent. He's not been absent. He's been at work in our lives preparing us. When I got called to ministry at 18 and I had to wait 12 years, it was because there was a lot of work that needed to be done here before I was ready for full-time vocational ministry. So God is up to something. you got to believe that God is up to something in your circumstances, in your life, and you can trust him. You can have faithful endurance and wait patiently for his timing. And so God is about to deliver on his promise to Abram and Sarah. And, um, and so let's... Um, Remind ourselves, what do we need to do to never give up? Number one, exercise faith and endurance. Exercise faith and endurance. Exercise faith and endurance. Exercise faith and endurance. And then wait on God patiently. So what happened now that they've exercised faith and endurance and waited patiently on God? What happened next? <laughs> this is what happened next. Genesis 21, 1 through 5. The Lord kept his word. <laughs> That's who God is. He keeps his word. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he promised. <laughs> that's, the, that's the goodness of God, the perfection of God, the thoroughness of God. We can trust him and we never, ever need to give up. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at, get this, <laughs> just the time God had said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham uh, circumcised him as God had commanded. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. Hallelujah, 25 years of waiting, waffling a little bit, trying to make the promise happen on, on the, in their own strength. Um, God's gracious through all of that and the promise. So you think after all of that, Abraham and Sarah, would they be like on easy street? Like we've conquered, <laughs> we're victorious, we've got the promise, right? At 100, God's not done with Abraham. At 100, or she'd be 90, I guess, I think that's the math. God's not done with Sarah. So we see that God is at work with people all the days of their lives. So if you're feeling old and uh, tossed aside, you're not you're not tossed aside. You might be getting older, but you're not tossed aside. We're all getting older day by day. So in Genesis 22, because God was not done with Abraham and his promise to him, God asked Abraham to do something. 
to sacrifice his son, to sacrifice his beloved son. Genesis 22, 2, God said, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Hmm. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are way above our thoughts. Something happened in that 25 years of waiting. I mean, God was obviously a priority to Abraham. He moved out of his land and, and into Canaan and trusted the Lord and waited on the Lord. But there was something being developed in him as he, as he waited, as he faithfully endured, as he waited on God's timing. There was something being developed in Abraham that allowed him to listen to the Lord and to be obedient to do this very heart-wrenching thing. He had waited 25 years for this promise, and now God's saying, go sacrifice him? What does that even mean, God? What, what does that mean? And so he g- gets his son, gets the fire and the firewood, and they begin to head to the place of sacrifice, and there's no animal to sacrifice. And so Isaac's like, hey, Dad, you know, we got the fire and the bundle of wood. What? He said, don't worry, God will provide. You, as you read Genesis 22, uh, all of the chapter, you see that Abraham had a, a sincere confidence that even if he sacrificed his son, that God would resurrect him. He knew that he was coming back with his son. It, there was no doubt in his mind. He, he didn't question God. He, didn't, he just did what God asked him to do because he knew that God had resurrection power to bring his son back to life. He knew that God had, had promised this son. He knew that this would be the, the, through this son that he would become, you know, the father of many nations. I mean, there was a lot happening, and yet he had to faithfully do what God had asked him to do. So Abraham took Isaac, and even when he was about to offer his son as a sacrifice, oh, praise the Lord, the angel of the Lord appeared to him. So he's, he's bound his son, he's on the altar, and he's about to do the deed. And it says, the angel of the Lord told him, lay down the knife. Do not hurt the boy in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld even your beloved son from me. I don't, even know, I don't even know where to go with this because maybe, maybe the Lord has called us to sacrifice something in our own lives and we're like, Lord, I've been working my whole life for this. I've been building my whole life for this. I, this is, and the Lord's just saying, sacrifice it. I don't know what it is because I don't have like a word, for, thus saith the Lord, but I, I know that if God's asking you to sacrifice something for his kingdom and for his will that um, it's, it's going to be difficult, but it's going to be okay. After Abraham passed this test, God told him, he reiterates Genesis twenty two seventeen. I will certainly bless you. <laughs> I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, your descendants will co- conquer the cities of their enemies. And, and so this promise comes. So he's 75 years old. You're going to become the father of a great nation. Many nations. Tries, you know, 10 years later to kind of make things happen. It's not the right path. He thinks he's got the son of promise. When he's 99 years old, he speaks it again. 
at 100, he finally sees the problem. What are, you, what are you waiting on the Lord to do in your life? What do you feel like the Lord has communicated to you? Don't give up. Never, ever give up. Exercise faith and endurance. Wait on God's timing and just trust what he will do. Let's get back to Hebrews chapter 6 as we wrap up these last few verses. And one final point. It says, now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure. There's something about there's something something of confidence that comes when we are faithfully enduring, waiting on God's timing, trusting him and believing him. There's something about uh, this surety that we can have, that God wants us to have. The enemy wants to lie to us and tell us, oh, you're on your own. God has forgotten about the promise. He's not paying attention to your life. You're on your own. But the Bible and God communicate to us we, that he wants us to be perfectly sure and confident, perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence. We need to have great confidence in God as we hold to the hope that lies before us. The hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor. And we need that in these difficulties of life. We needed something to anchor us to the truth, to the person of God, something that won't allow us to drift too far or get too, too far away from what God has for us. We need to be anchored with that hope. And that happens through faith, endurance, through just trusting God, waiting on his timing. Therefore, we who have fled to him for a refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal priest in the order of Melchizedek. So number three, never give up. We must have great confidence in God. And I think where we fall short as human beings, myself included, is that we get our eyes on ourselves. We get our eyes on our own capacity, our own ability, our own strengths, our own weaknesses. We get our eyes on ourselves. I, I know pretty much all the pastors in the area just because we hang out together and that sort of thing. And every one of us is cut from a different cloth. <laughs> every one of us have a different gift set, different strengths, different talents, different weaknesses. In fact, I went to high school with a couple of the guys um, at AG. And uh, if I look back at their lives, <laughs> and if they look back at my life, they say, there's no way that dude is cut out for, for you know, pastoral ministry. And I'd say the same thing about them, but even more so about me. As I look back at my life and my calling at 18, I'm like, I, I was so ill-prepared. <laughs> and if I looked at my own weaknesses, I, I, I came from a broken family. Um, I wasn't pure in my early days as a young man. Uh, struggled academically um, until, honestly, halfway through college when I finally figured out how to apply myself and, and I finished, you know, halfway strong. And, um, but, you know, there were tons of, I had tons of insecurities, tons of insecurities. It was just, I was fearful of speaking in front of anybody. <laughs> it was just not my thing. You know, I just, I didn't, so to imagine, so the problem is that we get our eyes on our own insecurities, our own insignificance, our own problems, our own issues, and we forget that 
God is the one who qualifies. God is the one who calls people. God is the one who equips with spiritual gifts and empowers with strength from the Holy Spirit. God is the one who does all of that stuff. And we're just vessels. We're like conduit. We're like, okay, Lord, just plug me in wherever, use me wherever. And, and then throughout the whole course of our life and ministry, we just continue to trust in the Lord. <laughs> I was talking to a guy. He's not a pastor in the area, but I talked to him a couple weeks ago, and he's like, I'm a great preacher. <laughs> he told me, I'm a great preacher. I'm thinking to myself, holy cow, I don't know any preacher who would say that, but whatever. Because I feel like, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, and I feel like every time I get up in the pulpit, I'm like, Lord, you have to do something. <laughs> like, I, I feel like I'm prepared, but I don't want to do this in my own strength. You have to empower what I'm saying. You have to speak through me. You have to encourage the people. I'm like, I, I can't imagine ever saying I'm a great, I would never, <laughs> I, just wouldn't do it. <laughs> and, uh, and I think there's a, there's a little bit of, there's probably a lot of danger around that statement uh, because no matter what our position or what our gift sets are or what we're called to, we just have to do everything with great humility, with great dependence on the Holy Spirit. We have to be filled with the love of God for uh, God and uh, for people. We have to just be, it's just a it's a process where we just die constantly to our flesh, uh, to our own capacity, to our own ability. So, so we need to keep our confidence in God. And as we do that, then we will never give up. We will have faith to endure. <laughs> we will trust God's timing, that things are unfolding the way they should. And we will, we will have Great confidence in God and not in us. As soon as we get our confidence in ourselves, we're just, we're doomed, we're shipwrecked, problems are coming, and uh, it's not, not good. So, so with that, just take that all in and choose afresh this year to not give up. What does God want to do in your life this year, in this, in this new 2022 year? What does God want to do? You're not too young. You're not too old. You're none of that. You're called and equipped by God to do the specific thing that he's asked you to do. So what has he asked you to do? And then just begin to walk in that. Humbly, dependent on the Lord, knowing that you're not all that. None of us are, none of us are you know, um, perfect or without flaw. We all just move forward by God's grace, doing the stuff that he's called us to do. So be prayerful as we worship in this last song. Let's get the worship team up. And as we wrap up, just be think, thinking about it. Be thoughtful about that. In what area have you been tempted to give up? Maybe it's your walk with the Lord, but just never, never give up. Lord, as we get ready to sing this last song and worship you, God, thank you that you've called us, that you've adopted us. And Lord, maybe there are people here who have just been kind of coming to church and hearing the preaching and part of things, but they haven't never, they've never made the commitment to follow you to become a child, an adopted child into your family. I pray that if there are people here today that have never accepted the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they would do that today. And if you're here today and you want to do that, just in the quietness of your own heart, if you're ready to come into the kingdom of God, into the family of God, you do that simply by asking God for his grace, his forgiveness. You recognize your humanity and your need for salvation. And you say, Jesus, I, I'm imperfect in every way. The Bible calls it sin. I'm a sinner, Lord. And, but I know, God, that you will forgive me if I ask and that you want to forgive me. And so, Lord, I ask that you would forgive me. 
you say, Lord, I want to be in your family. I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. Even though I don't even know what that means yet. Lord, I want it. I want to walk with you and I want you to walk with me. And I want to follow you all the days of my life. And as you make that the cry of your heart and your prayer to the Lord, God hears you and he welcomes you into his family. And you begin on this journey that's lifelong and into eternity. And you get to follow Jesus and he gets to lead you and save you and redeem your life. And so if that's you here today, do that in the quietness of your own heart. But then after the service, sometime today, tell somebody that you gave your life to Jesus and that you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then at the end of the month, we're doing a baptism and baptism is a public declaration saying, Lord, uh, to the world, to my friends, family, and everybody, I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you get baptized and move forward with your life with Jesus. So Lord, Bless those who need salvation today. We've all been there, Lord. And bless, bless those who are just discouraged and maybe feel like giving up. Pray that they wouldn't. Pray that they would be faithful by your power, enduring with your power, trusting your timing in their lives, Lord, and keeping their eyes on you. So thank you for this time, Lord. We, we bless you, Lord, as we worship. Help us to worship in spirit and in truth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand and worship.
Thank you that every battle belongs to you. Thank you that we are going to see a victory. God, I pray that your word would penetrate our hearts today, that something would, would stick and would sink in, God, and that we would leave this service today in remembering that you are good, in remembering that you want to do something afresh in each and every single one of us this year. And so we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.